Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, I'm so happy to be back with you. So am I. I just said to you a few minutes ago that talking to you is always a good part of my day. See, that just makes me feel good. I get those yeah. warm fuzzies. I, I, me too. I, I learn a ton. But more importantly, I think I've, I've actually figured it out. I get, I draw a lot of energy from your passion and your energy. And it's not just oh. the content. It really is how you deliver it and how you talk about it. Because it makes me care more about yeah. issues that I, I didn't really knew, know about before. A lot, a lot of things that we covered on the last podcast, uh, you know, when, when it comes to uh, Women History Month and what's the other one this month? We got another one, right? Um, yes, we have two pending. <laughs> I'm racking my brain right now to, to remember what the uh, second one is, but it's not yeah. coming to me. But we have a really good subject today. Okay. Not and that I, I mean, I, I think I usually have good topics to talk about. And, and I also want to mention how much I appreciate listeners continuing to come back to the podcast. And I have two recent clients from the podcast, Oh, which is great. I'm glad great. people are, are hearing what I have to say and taking action because we're going to talk about taking action today. Okay. And we've talked about climate change before, but what I really want to talk about is not just climate change, but the UN's uh, release of their sixth annual, well, not sixth annual, they don't do annually, but their, their sixth version of what they title the assessment report on climate change. It's a doozy, let me tell you. It's 3,700 pages. <laughs> As in 3,700 pages of a report. Yeah, now I wow. will tell you and the listeners, I have not read all 3,700 pages yet. It just came out yesterday. <laughs> okay. But I did do a pretty in-depth review of one of the summary documents, which was itself 37 pages. Mm. Okay. So I've been doing some reading on this, doing some other research, and really wanting to share with listeners the crisis that we're in. And climate change is a, humani is a humanitarian crisis. I'm going to say that all over again. Climate change is a humanitarian crisis. Mm -hmm. And I think many of us are really unaware of how that really works and what needs to happen. <laughs> and the UN is telling us what needs to happen here. So the report really talks about a lot of the key risks across sectors and different regions of the world. It talks about poverty, the livelihood of individuals, and the sustainable development that needs to take place 
in order to keep everything really on, well, I don't want to say even keel because I'm not sure we can really get back to that, Mm. but we have to stop what's coming. And if we don't stop now, we're going to see so many issues in our food systems, in other ecosystems, whether it's oceans or um, the Midwest and, you know, where we grow most of our grain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really taking a look in depth across the board at so many different issues in this 3,700-page document. They, they break it down into, uh, I think it's 18 different chapters, and each chapter talks about a different area or topic or uh, region. So it might be a chapter on Asia, North America. It might be a chapter on um, freshwater ecosystems or ocean ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be talking about water or food. So many different things, poverty, <laughs> health, well-being. Each chapter is, is something slightly different. And all of these things are important. So we're going to talk about, I think, two of the major takeaways from this report, which are vulnerabilities and adaptations. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, yes, are you but, already overwhelmed and you don't know what to say? <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing is that 3,700 pages is overwhelming, period. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. to have that much information obviously is, is a good thing, uh, but definitely tough to disseminate what what is most important is. so we're covering the two vulnerability and adaptation i'm very interested in, in to hear what both of those are i'm assuming vulnerability is really talking about people and communities and so much more okay yeah. let's dive yeah. in teach me yeah yeah because what we're going to talk here a lot today is about the the impacts and um what we need to do well, first we have to be aware of our vulnerabilities, which this report really states. And then we have to talk about potential adaptations uh, in order to mitigate okay. those risks from the vulnerabilities. So it's 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 really fascinating to me, but it's also a little scary when you think about it. Because what we're we've been talking about uh, the warming of the earth for so long and wanting to keep that very specific number we hear all the time, 1.5 degrees Celsius. We don't want to have warming go above that number. And mm-hmm. this is from pre-industrial measurements. So pre-industrial revolution. Oh, geez. Right. I mean, it's a pretty long period of time, but it's really short in terms of time span for the earth. And so what we don't want to see is this number and it's 1.5 degrees Celsius, not Fahrenheit, so it's pretty significant. Right now, we've already hit 1.1. Mm. We don't, and and the whole idea behind looking at this number is if we get past 1.5 percent degree increase in warming of our Earth, it is likely a no turning back point. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to that, Kim. It's, right, yeah, it's right. just, so, um, okay. It's, it's, <laughs> so. We are getting, yeah, so really what we're doing, is, you know, to, to our planet is we're, we're pushing ourselves to the brink, and we have to decide what we're going to do about it. And the UN has been producing this report, as I said, this is the sixth one, and they're saying now, look, this is, 
this is beyond crisis. We really have to pay attention to it. In the report, or about the report, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his last name. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good on the Hispanic names, right? But he called this report, and this is a quote from him, an atlas of human suffering and a damning indictment of failed climate leadership. Wow. So (laughs) I know, we're like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? We're not doing enough. We're not doing anything. There are some key takeaways that we should talk about with the report. Again, I I mentioned the the 1.5 degree increase. Mm -hmm. And if we get past that, as I said, it'll probably, likely, be irreversible consequences. And the greenhouse gas emissions are what are pushing us to that 1.5% or 1.5 degree Celsius number Mm -hmm. increase, right? So we have to really pay attention to greenhouse gas emissions. We're running out of ways to adapt. That's another key component of this report. Because when we think about adaptation, what we need to do to make changes to stop it, the report is telling us we're kind of running out of ways if we don't do something soon. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know how to adapt to that. I mean, we, we it's not yeah. like you can, I mean, you have to fix it. You can't just adapt to a change. I mean, I, I'm assuming right. adaptation is talking about change so that yes. we can, oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, and, and the idea of what they're talking about here, and again, I have not read all 3,700 pages, but in reading the summary, when they're talking about adaptation, which we'll talk about some more in a minute, um, it's about what we can do and what we should be doing right now. Mm -hmm. And if we wait too long, some of those adaptation ideas and processes are no longer going to work. Okay. So I'm going to stop right there just for a moment because we've talked about things on this podcast before and I feel like we've already crossed that line and I'm not talking about the temperature wise, but when we talked about plastics specifically, yeah, I almost feel like we are past the point of no return when it comes to plastic because they have studied the water in the oceans and they there's so much microplastic in there already it's not like we can clean that out and so the fish are eating it and we're eating the fish and blah 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 so Mm -hmm. we've and that's just one small example that doesn't even fit into the temperature thing but it It does though it all fits in yeah yeah. and Uh. and you're right so that adaptation of reducing plastic we've gone beyond just reducing it now we have to look at more severe adaptation processes see and that scares me because (laughs) because we don't have the technology to clean that plastic out of the oceans the same way we don't necessarily have the technology to make you know to to change the emissions i mean we have the ability to stop as many emissions but we don't have technology to do all the cleaning that needs to be done in my opinion i'm not sure i agree with that okay i think uh, yeah and and not that i can give you a specific example and maybe there are some specific examples in in the depths of this report but i think we do have technologies that can and will help us part of the reason they're not being yeah and part of the reason they're not being used yet is because there is not enough pressure and people aren't put. making money using it, right? That too, right. I mean, it's greed right. that drives this, in my opinion. It, it, yes, I think that's partially true. Hmm. One of the other key takeaways of this report is <laughs> the people who are the least responsible for climate 
change and climate warning, uh, warming are the <laughs> are, are the most affected. Of course. So the people who are least responsible are the most affected in in terms of what's happening to our planet. Yeah. But we can still avoid the worst pieces. And and that I want to leave as an overarching idea here because the, the UN report, as dire as it is, is telling us we can still avoid the worst. We can avoid what can come if we don't make changes now. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about vulnerability and what that means uh, and, and the way I understand it in looking at this report. We usually think about vulnerability within communities and society. It, you know, when we're talking about climate change, climate risk, we're looking at individual countries and what they have been forced to do for the last many decades. So this report is really focusing on the transformation of our systems, the transformations in energy, land, the ocean, mm -hmm. which is a huge ecosystem, our coastal and freshwater ecosystems, looking at rural versus urban, the infrastructure, the livelihoods that we're le leading, looking at all industries and sectors of our society and assessing the vulnerabilities within each of those different components. So you're probably thinking, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. It, there's so much information here that there's no way we could cover it probably even in five podcasts if we really wanted to talk about the, the nitty gritty here. So I'm just scratching the surface. When we talk about vulnerability of ecosystems and really people's desire to do something different, we really have to think about what we as wealthy nations can and should be doing to help poorer nations around the world because they're much more vulnerable than we are. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, yeah. So there's all these patterns in socioeconomic development and um, what's happening in the ocean and land and really the inequality of what we're seeing to the marginalized people, to um, indigenous folks. Uh, there's, there's so much happening in terms of, of this. So I wanna, I wanna talk about that a little bit in detail. So Eric, when we talk about vulnerability of ecosystems and, and people, we're really talking a lot about our physical needs, our mental health needs, our um, environmental needs, and and the problems really that we've created we meaning everyone in not paying attention to climate risk and greenhouse gas emissions up to this point and those those are vast we could talk about oh i'm gonna grab my notes here but we could talk about uh, infrastructure vulnerability i think we've seen a lot of that um, there's a lot of vulnerability in our energy systems and really not having a better process for clean energy. Mm -hmm. um, there's vulnerability. We're losing our oceans. We're losing the life in our oceans. Yeah. And if we do that, oh, we're going to have a big problem. Not only does it provide food for many, but it's, it's a livelihood for many people. So, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we could really talk about vulnerabilities for a long time, but I want to talk about the other key piece here, which is adaptation. We said we're going to talk about vulnerability and adaptation. And the ideas behind the UN report and and talking about adaptation, the way I understand it, is looking at the vulnerabilities that we have, the exposure that we have, and trying to reduce those so that we can have a better process going forward. And when you think about adaptation, there's so many different things you can think about with that. The first life form had to adapt, right? When it came from water onto land billions of years ago. And everything else that we have now is going to have to adapt as well. Climate change is here. It's happening. Mm-hmm. And if we don't look at the the ecological components of what's happening, if we don't look at the really the evolutionary process of humanity, then we're not going to be going in the right direction. So how do we adapt? What do we want to do to adapt? Mm-hmm. Is adaption uh, the, the key component here to making change to, to the climate crisis? And I think it is. I think when we talk about adaptation, we need to think about what's not working right now and adapt changes to that. So we've been saying for a decade, we have to cut greenhouse gas emissions. We should stop driving. We should use better light bulbs. <laughs> you know, we should all of those things. That's not enough. So when yep. we talk about adaptation for that, we have to think about ways that go beyond that and what is better or what can be better, what we hope is better, mm-hmm. and adapt to a better solution. You I'm have just a question. It, well, <laughs> I'm drawing parallels in my brain here, Kim. You know how my brain works. Yeah. Uh, it, I, all over the news, right, is the whole Russia Ukraine thing. Mm, right. It has been, I, I think, and, and no matter where you stand on this, and I know where you stand on it, but no matter where the listener stands on it, I think it's been a, a pretty amazing thing that so many countries have poured into the Ukraine uh, financially. And everybody's banding together to help this small country against this big country, right? Mm, yeah. And I kind of look at this and I'm like, when is it time for this to happen on this level for for the world, the globe, Eric, the the small what? Yeah, Eric, this is that is such a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, just, it's showing that we can mm-hmm. come together to hopefully solve this problem. I mean, we're recording this the first day of March and we don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Hopefully the Russia Ukraine situation will be over soon mm-hmm. and it won't be as dramatic as it could possibly be. But you're right. The yeah. whole world needs to come together. If we don't, the opposite of adaptation is maladaptation. I I don't know why I can't say that word very well, but the idea behind that is maladaptation affects marginalized and vulnerable groups negatively. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do is turn that around and think about what we can do to change in our climate situation, in our resource use, all of those pieces to reinforce the good changes the good adaptation processes Mm -hmm. because adaptation is both good and bad the whole planet will adapt 
to the climate crisis and the increase in warming by giving us less water, less fertile soil, mm-hmm. um, more inequality around the globe. So that's a form of adaptation. True. We want to see the positive adaptation. Yeah. We want to see a more effective response to climate mitigation, climate risk, looking at the financial components, because there's going to be a huge financial component to this. We've ignored it for so long, it's going to cost a lot to fix. But we don't really have any choice. There's also the political adaptation. So we've seen people coming to Ukraine's assistance that may not have thought about it before, but realizing this is a bigger problem than just these two countries. Mm -hmm. So when we think about for example, water issues, and th- you know, you might think, well, okay, there's not a, not that much water in Africa or other places around the globe, but it doesn't really affect us. Yes, it does <laughs> in the mm-hmm. long term. You know, if those folks are are dying of famine, that's going to affect the entire planet. If we don't have enough water to grow our food or potable water, really, then we are all going to. I hate to say it, but we're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I want to say the UN Secretary General Gutierrez said, and in his warning around this report, that delay means death. Mm-hmm. Those were his words. And yeah, that sounds scary. So, so what I want to do is come to my big ask here for listeners, for us, for everyone we know. We have to share this with everybody, but we have to look at enabling the conditions on this globe that are key in implementing and accelerating and sustaining adaptation in all of our human systems, in all of our ecosystems. Yeah. That is our job. And it includes political commitments and follow through around the globe. It includes institutional frameworks and guidance because a lot of NGOs and institutions that are paying attention to this need to be held up to a higher standard and say, oh, okay, I get what they're saying and now we can, can move forward with that. We have to look at all of our policies globally and have very clear priorities and goals around all of this. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to be more educated on it. Um, we need to we need to mobilize, and we need to put more financial resources towards the problem. So, we always talk about investing, almost always on mm-hmm. this podcast. That's the point of it: deep impact investing. And we are looking at some of these issues and climate crisis and climate change issues have always been a key component of sustainable investing, socially responsible investing, impact Mm -hmm. investing, whatever you want to call it. It's always been key, but I think we have to push it harder. It's time to really push it. And we have to use every tool in our toolbox. Yeah. Because we're almost out of time. Yes. (laughs) And, And, And when I mean out of time, it might be, 30 or 40 years, but that's not that long. No, it's, it's not. And, and the thing is, is that what I, what I think back to is the fact that you're talking about investments. That means right. people have money to invest. Whereas 
all these people that we're talking about, the vulnerable, the most vulnerable people, they're not investing money. <laughs> they no. are trying to survive, right? And this is not yes. a guilt trip by for anybody in the in the audience by any means. Um, but it's 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 time to put your money where your mouth is or where your heart is, right? I mean that that's yes. kind of what we're we're talking about here. Um, and just not to dredge something else up, but I I like to now I'm I'm reading more and more about this because I'm I'm yeah. getting educated by you, but then I'm I'm finding articles and things to read. And something blew me away just just yesterday. And you probably have talked about this on the podcast before, but I did not realize that we are losing species as fast as we are. Species yes. are going extinct every day. And I thought every day. And then you hear the number of the, the, from the studies that have been done. And right now, the latest study that I've, I've seen um, puts it at 150 to 200 species a day that we're losing. And... I'm not Isn't affected. Shocking! It's it's incredibly shocking, and and I'm not affected yeah. by that very much because I'm I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, in the middle of the country. I don't see species dying off, but when you think about that, plants, mammals, aquatic, you know, fish, these could be people's livelihoods just to survive. The plants that they grow, or things they need to grow to survive, or the the, the fishing that they're doing, or the harvesting that they're doing, they need those things to survive. Yes, and, and yeah. people think about losing species, and, and a lot of those are insects, mm-hmm. but we need insects yep. because they fertilize Yeah, for the food we eat. So that's important, too. And you're right, the number's shocking. Yeah. One of the things I want to talk about before we end is some of the ways that the UN is suggesting, and this was just, again, in the summary that I read, can't wait to read the whole thing probably take me three weeks, but we'll get to it. They're suggesting looking at some very key risks and very specific adaptation options. And they have created a scale of what is feasible on a high and a medium and a low level. Okay. Um, and, and a confidence schedule or scale on whether or not these items can actually happen. So I find that really interesting. So yeah. so there's the feasibility part. Can we do this? And then there's the confidence that it will actually get done. Uh, and they, they, you know, there's some charts and stuff in there that kind of show it. But let me just give you one example. Um, there's so many. So let me just talk about food and food security because we've talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And two of the things that we're, that they're looking at are, of course, improving cropland management. And that doesn't even talk about water issues. That's just land management mm-hmm. and efficient livestock systems because people eat meat and we have to figure out better ways to produce our livestock for food. And it's interesting because when I look at this chart, the feasibility potential for efficient livestock systems is very low. Hmm. And I, I'm curious about that, and I wonder, I can't wait to find out why they think that. I'm hoping that they go into that in depth. Yeah. Um, but improving you know, the cropland management, that moves into a more medium, not quite high level on feasibility. Hmm. So that's super interesting. I, th- I would think that that would be higher. Y- yeah. But I think because we haven't done much up to this point, uh, you know, especially when you talk about big industrial agriculture, mm. oh, yeah. True. Um, not enough is being done. But they also scale and 
rate all of these items on the economic impact, the technological impact if there is any, social impacts, environmental impacts, and the the whole geophysical impact on the planet. It's it's a very interesting rating system that they've created. It's pretty in depth. Mm-hmm. One of the other let me just mention one other before we kind of wrap up. Um, and here's they call this cross cutting risks. So this crosses boundaries for lots of different areas, whether it's ocean and land ecosystems, urban infrastructure, energy. One of those is disaster risk management. We have been so bad, (laughs) really over the last 10 years, looking at disaster risk mitigation and what we can do about that. We are seeing some things happen. So there are the low-lying areas of Manhattan, they're putting up some seawalls because Manhattan itself has been flooded a lot in the last decade. Oh, with big storms. It's very, very low. And if we lose Manhattan, where do we put our whole financial center? Hmm. Because almost all of the U.S.'s financial center is in Manhattan. And then, of course, there's people's lives and losing homes and how that affects them, uh, mental health and physical with disease and you know just the exhaustion of potentially losing your home over and over again yeah. we're seeing these storms get bigger um more aggressive more powerful and that's a problem so trying to mitigate disaster risk i am surprised that the confidence level of doing that is high for the folks creating this report hmm. And I'm really glad to see that. So I don't know what all they have on tap, but, you know, let's go for it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's all get together. Let's push our politicians. Let's push our global leaders. Um, let's push ourselves to do better. Yeah. Agreed. On mitigating climate risk. Yeah. So I'm challenging everyone. Gauntlet is thrown. <laughs> thrown down the gauntlet that's right and yeah and i'm even thinking about some of the smaller changes that i can make personally i feel like i've made a lot of changes in my life over the last almost quarter century but there are so many little things that each of us can do and those of us who have money need to look at it as well on a financial piece so let's do it if 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 listeners want to talk to me about their current portfolios or look at how they can make changes in their portfolio so that they can help with this situation because every little bit helps, they can reach me at 505-982-9661 or anyone at the Horizons team by emailing info at horizonssfs.com. All right, Kim, thank you so much again. You've got homework to do. 3,700 pages. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you an update next time we talk. All right, sounds good. All right, Kim, again, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for being here with me, Eric, and, and providing good conversation. I thoroughly enjoy it. I just like to sit back and listen because 
there are some things that you say that just blow my mind and I don't know how to process that. So again, right. I love the fact that this has a rewind button and I can go back and listen to it and just think, oh man, okay. And then I like the challenge because I, I have made some changes since you and I started working together. I've made some changes, but I know there's more I could do. I, yeah. I'm just not ready to give up steak though. I'm just going to say that out loud. I'm just not ready. I understand. Okay. And nobody expects you to do everything all at once. So, okay. and you're in Omaha for I Nebraska. <laughs> what else am I going to do? You know, the all corn diet doesn't sound as appealing as you think. So, right. <laughs> yeah, got to mix that steak in there. All right. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the next time we can speak. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at Horizons S-U-S-T-F-I-N or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.